Ladies and gentlemen, this is the 19th episode of Concerned Dabs Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Katie M. Kane. With me is my co-host, Will Turp. What's good? Okay, so we don't have a guest book tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Just going to be Will and I for your uh, your listening pleasure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, might, I might be able to book the a guest is in the fucking yellow jacket that just stung me about an hour ago yeah will got stung in the face by a yellow jacket folks <laughs> in my own house get, nonetheless get CB, sure people CB get people it. get stung out there every day but just the disrespect yeah. for it to happen behind in my behind my own doors Homies get stung every day, B. He'll be right, right. I'll be good. I'll be good. The, if, I can't. I can't see myself on the my video things a bit lagged, but uh, you know that's why if if one side of my face looks a bit more balloonish than the other. Word, word. New Orleans. Well, so uh, you've been back in Oregon for a few weeks. Um, yeah. Earlier, before the uh, the show started, you were talking about all the awesome solventless options that are available on the shelf lately. Yes, there's uh, a bunch of them, and more, more people that came online um, recently too. Um, Happy Cabbage is always good. Um, they, I will be honest, they get a little confusing with me for me because they do so many. Uh, different grade versions of like the same strain which i feel uh, like it's a little confusing and kind of like um you know makes makes you question not you know how good a material they're using or but, but what really they consider to be ultra premium you know yeah, stuff that they're selling at the top end and the, that like, because do, do you notice a difference between the grades like is there a difference in taste I ha- or I haven't smoked enough like at this I haven't smoked enough side by side so I haven't I haven't like picked up like a lower end grade and higher end grade or like a middle end grade and higher end grades uh, I've only you know <coughs> I've only picked up like one at a time so it's hard for me to remember like what what I had last and and you know like how it would yeah. compare um but just like for example in the last like I picked up a flavor last time i already finished it but it was uh the strain double tropicana um and it was double tropicana hash rosin and then i learned that happy cabbage also had double tropicana hash rosin batter which was a little bit more expensive and then they had double tropicana hash rosin six star 90 which was the most expensive um and i just find it to quote someone another like prominent uh solventless extractor in the in the rec game i find it weird that you're grading your rosin from by the hash that you know the hash it was graded for like so you're saying this is six star rosin because you pressed it from six star hash but then again it's it's going it's undergoing another chemical change you're adding heat and pressure you know so you can't just say that it's going to be of the same quality for sure in my mind you know yeah and i man dude that's what i don't get like because when i remember hash and the way we make it it's like you run it through the bags and then you press it into a cube more or less the whole yeah. smashing it into rosin and the cake batter yeah thing. well like, i will man. say 
I will say I like this because I, I hear where you're coming from, you know, like the way hash was in the traditional days is, you know, like Charis and like, you know, always a bowl topper, you know, the, yeah, or like dark, you ball it up blonde, and put it in joint. We would get blonde hash too, but the dark hash was better. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, totally. Better, better and I will say it's definitely different and both have their place, you know, like people who are used to that want to smoke hash that's more towards that, mm -hmm. but... I will say I do have appreciation for the high end of hash and rosin because here you are able to, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta like wash really high quality material, but you're now able to refine it so purely that you can literally just get the heads so that they, they, they melt and you still get the, or, you know, you're able to, you know, press it into a, you know, terpene rich, uh, you know, solventless hash oil essentially that's you know very similar to pho but with no no hydrocarbons used you know yeah is is that what the purpose of the batter stuff is, is <coughs> to get it like like sauce or whatever from bho is that what no they, they... so the the batter personally the batter for rosin is usually so you wash it and then you obviously still add the heat and pressure from the initial squish from the, you know, uh, turning it into rosin. And then, you know, you kind of get it into, you know, it'll pour out, you know, into a liquid or it might butter up immediately. And then, you, you know, especially when you do large batches for, for the rec market, you then put it in a jar and like throw it in the fridge and let it like, you know, butter up into like a, a, a crumbly texture and cold cure, basically. Uh... Um, and that's my preferred method because i feel like that's what's most true to the true to the plant yeah um but there's also another method which yields great you know high terpene percentage and more shelf stability which is the rosin jam if you will and that is still yeah, you know dude, you're taking yeah. high I you're like still taking high quality because i'm clueless bro i'll, I'll touch like, on how on yeah. how you yeah on how you achieve both. so like i said batter is cold cure you squish it you get the initial heat and pressure and then you throw it in the fridge or freezer and you let it like butter up and and cure that way essentially jam rosin jam you you, you still start with the high quality ice wax you do the initial heat and pressure squish into rosin and then you do a secondary process where you literally squish the rosin again you add it back to a bag you squish it at a very low temperature much lower than what you squished at first uh and basically turn it into a uh basically sauce you know a rosin sauce that's you know shelf stable it's going to be still sauce at room temperature um and that has you know has a higher um has a longer shelf uh um last longer on the shelf, shelf um yeah. but i don't think it tastes as good you, you forfeit some of the terpenes in the addition of heat again damn so like what about all the fucking hash that was in the bag that got pressed and they just saved the rosin that got pushed out that like nobody smokes the shit that got smashed in the bag well, That's no. So place. hopefully, like, I mean, if you you're if you if you're running high quality, like really high quality material, you won't really have stuff that's not worth squishing. But they'll they'll use everything in the bag. I mean, I imagine like you know you'll you'll still like with most rosin producers will have two grades. You know, yeah. like um, maybe like for two strains, or maybe just for 
like for the how how much the material they had. The is that is that like the two? Yeah, days? yeah, it could be that, but I think it's a little more variable. Like it, okay. it, it varies, you know, depends. But because um, when I yeah, think of I mean, rosin too, I just remember these little pucks from a homie in Cascade Lock, and it looked like like a little Carmex container lid or something like a quarter sheet. Yeah. So and it's a, that, it's that a, was, it was like hard, you know what I mean? You could pull a piece yeah. off it. So I, it doesn't seem like that's some, some ooze that got squished out between the no, plates. That seems like no, the shit that stayed uh -uh. in the plate. You know what I mean? No. And also well, here, here's the thing. Rosin and your consistency is heavily fluctuant on, the quality of the material you're squishing and the temperature. So once people realize like, hey, we can get similar yield and a lot terpier, a lot better looking stuff when we go lower with high quality, you know, like that shatter you're talking about, that was, I feel like that was back in the early days or, you know, like when people were just like the organ market was just discovering and other markets were just discovering rosin for the masses and they're squishing things at a higher temperature because you squish hash rosin at a higher temperature, it's going to be darker. It's going to be more shattery. It's going to come out like shatter. Uh, um, when you do it lower, like especially really high quality, like fresh frozen, it's going to be um, more like a wet batter. Um, okay. And there's also, there's, you know, there's, um, you know, like there, there can be, there's solid pucks, you know, like, you know, butters that are like more solid. Um, yeah. And they're, uh, you know, you can you could essentially break them off, break off pieces too, because they're you know kind of like hard pieces of crumble. Yeah. But most rosin today, like high quality hash rosin, if you're pressing freshly washed fresh material, is like going to be like a batter type consistency, like Echo Electuary butter. It's going to be like soft, pliable, wet. Yeah, that's the uh True Med AZ down the street. They're on like 40th and McDowell. Their Instagram feed is pretty cracking, and they yeah. they make batter with some of their yeah. material I mean, that they grow. And so I'm how, just like, man, it looks white, and it looks like like pancake batter. You know? What yeah. I mean? how, how uh how nice how good a quality is my video right now? Do you think if I pulled out like I got some hash rods in my fridge right here? Do you think if I pulled out and tried to do a close up that people might be able to see the yeah, color or the texture? Right there. Yeah, I'll give sure. it a try. We'll see. Yeah, yeah man. I uh, the the different consistencies confuse me too because I don't know how they were made. I'm, I'm just like, man, how, how the hell? make this why does it look like this and not like regular hash all right so this is sunday driver rosin batter i bought some of that weed before uh, uh nice i don't know how well people can see in this maybe if i put my phone light on it but oh yeah oh yeah it looks looks like uh like some globs of dried up like cake batter or something yeah, yeah, exactly. It's very light colored. Yeah. What, what, that was Bo's nose. Bo's nose. Nose. Yeah, Bo's nose. Nose. They're new. Like I had no. I. I don't even know if they existed on the rec market. Like when I left Oregon back in March, uh, for a bit, you know. Yeah. And now and now they're like very popular, but uh, 
yeah, I mean, the stuff I've tried from them has been fantastic. And they, um, you know, I think they're newly licensed. They only work with organic farms. So they don't like, you know, they're not, not going to fuck with you if you don't not grow in organically. That's um, and yeah, from what I understand, it seems like I did a little bit of, of uh, backtracking on the guy's Instagram account. Cause I'm always curious, like where, where these, you know, cause so, sometimes these people that come out that kill it come out later, like people that have been in the medical game for a while and are just like, finally, like, all right, I'll go legit or, you know, I'll, you know, yeah. try my luck at it. And he was a farm hand for Oso Verde Farms, like back when we carried them at Natural Wonders for a bit. Um, and yeah, now he's doing his own thing, solving us working with a bunch of farms. So, yeah. Hell yeah. Legit. That's tight, man. Um, it's, it's dope to see guys come up too. Um, fuck, I, I wonder about the, it, it seems like it would be easier to get that license too, dude, because you don't have. A, yeah, because you're not dealing with like huge equipment. It, it absolutely is. No, very good. Like we just got ice water. I mean, maybe for the dry ice, but can't you just keep that shit in a freezer or something? Yep. Very good. Very good uh, point. And it's and no, dude. I mean, most most hash no hash maker really uses dry. So they I mean, they just use like a big meat freezer, like the one. So no, yeah. So of. what it is is they use normal ice, like clean. Though usually, if you're the best way to do it is, you know, you got to have your, you want to have your own ice maker on site so that you can like, you know, fill bags, like, you know, at your will and not yeah, have to man. like go to the store and get ice, you know, or whatever. Same um, thing for fishing, Will. Yeah. Yep. We need ice. Um, but yeah. Um, got a, kind of had a brain fart. What, what was the point you were making or you were oh, saying? I was asking about, uh, how, like getting the license like that that's is that the most costly thing is keeping shit frozen yeah yeah definitely it's definitely like do people uh, have walk-in freezers or they have like yeah okay freezers? and that's what i that's what i yeah. was based on about the freeze drying part is how they're doing the freeze drying is they're not doing it with like dry ice they're washing it with you know like regular ice and then they're they're basically like scooping the you know the heads that collect at the, at the end of each bag putting it on a, a, a tray, you know, collecting it for each run and large batches for the same bags and then throwing it in a freeze dryer that uh, freeze dries. It's like a vacuum freeze dryer. Um, uh, yeah. So but they, they then let was, chill for like think, a week or so. So I was thinking that they froze like the whole plant before they, they, they do everything's really fresh frozen. That's the best way to go. So you like, you know, you, 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 you harvest it fresh. Yeah. You, you snip off everything that's not frosty and then you and you throw it all like the heads the sugar leaves in a bag freeze it and then you know when it once it's frozen it's ready to go wash and then when you wash it like that you get you know the heads that collect in the you scoop it out with the spoon put it onto the tray and then you load it in the the tray slots from the freeze dryer word yeah that's dope man and that's just a rough explanation. I don't, I don't well, process no, hash. So. No, because, because to me, <laughs> I mean, because to me, in my head, that still doesn't sound dangerous. You know no, what I mean? No, it's not. No, like that, you're, that's not the way gonna, it's not. you're not gonna, you're not gonna lose an eye or or an arm or something. No, you know, and I, and I feel like out. it's less less costly too. I mean, it's still like obviously, yeah. You got to get the license. You got to get the proper that. But like, you don't got to spend, uh, you know, twenty thousands of, you know hundred thousands of dollars on equipment no doubt that's dope man and um 
just generally speaking, it seems like that's the high quality product too. Like everybody yeah. more has kind of agreed that hey man, solving this shit is where it's at. It is. It's only the thing that is uh and everyone has their preference. So this is no like, you know, I can see like I totally understand the argument for why people prefer BHO in any respect, like flavor, cost wise too, you know, it's yeah. more much more cost effective. You know, the live resins, people that process them correctly, like Echo, you can get, you know, just premium flavors. Uh, but what I have discovered with solventless is it is quite a bit more expensive. So I personally I can't you know, I feel like a lot, it's tough to smoke unless, you know, you get a, you know, you got a good job, you got a pretty good amount of money to yourself. Yeah. It's tough to smoke. Like if you're a heavy smoker, it's tough to smoke it consistently if you're not producing it or like selling it. But yeah. it is to me a superior product to BHO just because I feel it encompasses the full spectrum high from flower that is missing in BHO. Okay, so let me ask you a question. So labor, right, Will? It's labor intensive. That's why it costs more because yes, yep. they don't have automated processes yet like they do in BHO. Right, yeah. Do you think Do you think that that is uh, coming? Do you think that a guy could build a robot or at least a machine? Because we, we, my cousin bought a hash machine before and it broke after 10 hours and we got another one that broke after 10 hours. So it was just a piece of shit motor that they put in it and yeah. it would just move like a washing machine. Do guys do that or do they do it by hand? Like do guys have a so motor that's my... shit to, to pull the heads off when it's in the water? Have you seen that? Yes, both. And I've had very high quality hash from both methods, both the, the bubble machine spinning like a washer, spinning yeah. back and forth, and then you collect it. Yeah. And also the hand stir where you got like a large like trash bucket that you would think, you know, you'd put like grass clippings in or something. And then you, yeah. you fill that with your bag and ice. The best hash I've had has always come from hand stir in that method. The, the large bucket with the hand stir, like a fucking kayak or yeah, a yeah. canoe or that you're just working in there with the bag. That is always, and, and I'll give you a shout out some some people who do that, that it's like some of my favorite hash. Kush Kirk, who's a medical producer in Southern Oregon. Not a lot of people know about him because he, I've been just lucky to have homies that have been good friends with him that have introduced me to his stuff. Um, he's amazing. Pua Extraction. So if you like Nelson and Company hash rosin, which... I don't know who doesn't. He washes everything by hand. Uh, my buddy Chris, damn it, Bobby, who um, was most recently the the like solventless uh, processor for scored marijuana in in Washington. He does everything by hand. Um, and then also uh, someone that I met while I was back east for a while, who's like very very prominent in the like the 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 east coast um industry and the solventless industry in particular um they have uh i mean they're medical and they have operations in uh vermont mass and rhode island and they're usually just one dude that makes That's you know that. that knows the method but the guy i met was the massachusetts uh one they do everything like they wash by hand in large buckets with that was the most expensive gram that i've yeah, bought that, in the last 
in the last probably like god maybe ever i bought like, like 80 out 90, bucks 90, 90 bucks whoa yeah that's expensive and it was yeah so the here it was i was like I, I never come across that quality i was at like a beer release out of state dude had a he's there and he's like yeah so it was like literally like it was gmo cookies 90u so you know like the best pull from fun, the bag small Ross. small micron yeah yep and it was a perfect blonde coin and it, it like you open the jar and it smelled like you just ran over a skunk that's uh, what so you was like right, that's what yeah, you mean I though mean right it's micron you means microns right yeah micron yeah okay. so um so this I'm not too versed on, but like I know most bags nowadays, the prime micron is 90 U, 90 micron. Yeah. Uh, but well, also like, there's other other there's style bags that's yeah, there's yeah. other style bags that spit other microns as the premium micron, and it also depends on strength. So for yeah. example, like Pua, I think he still probably uses these bags, and what he originally used was uh like bags that were like 70, 73 U. And then 120, there was no 90. And his premium grade was like the 70, 73. Um, and, but it just depends on strain. For example, GMO cookies, I hear spits at 180, which is usually like a, a medible grade, uh, like, you know, um, head status, because it's usually like in most strains, it collects like very chlorophyll filled heads that, don't make still, good rosin. Yeah, still kind of GMO. That's the best mic, one eighty. So it really just depends. By I mean, and and with these, with these bags, and you know, you know how well strains drop at certain microns depends on the size of the trichome head and the yeah. stalk and the stalk. Word. So like, yeah. So a strain. So cookies is probably has the smaller one, like the 90, 90 U is probably the best for a strain like cookies, like something small and dense like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it depends. Yeah, but smaller micron cookies size, always but. hash as well. Um, you know, it's just you know now they're you know I think people are realizing you know just the better, the better grown strain and the more you know pure the heads are, it's always you know it'll it'll happen. But, you know, there's definitely strains that don't drop as much or don't drop at all. Word. Hell yeah. Um, do you think that people in the future are going to be able to automate their processes in that game and still maintain quality? Or yes. do you think, or, yeah? Because yeah. it seems like that's why the shit is 90 bucks a gram, because a guy was sitting there spinning it through a bag in a bucket of ice water. You know what I mean? Like that's, yeah. <laughs> that takes time, well, dude. It's like buying a painting from a guy, you know, it's like, yeah, it's I super mean, detailed. You spend hours on that shit, man. That's why it costs so much, you know? Yeah, no, that's exactly why. And also people realize that it's like, kind of like when you do it right, it's, I don't think this is up. I don't, I really don't think in chat, like no disrespects, like my, some of my favorite BHO producers that I'll always buy tons of grams from and smoke and produce. Yeah solventless rosin and like meltable six star is the bane of dabs to me that is like the highest quality that is like the the caviar that's the fine dining of dabs it is the no most doubt. true to the plant it is uh no solvents needed 
It's, yeah. uh, you know, you get a, a, an insanely great effect and high from it. Um, but the fact of the matter is it'll always be more expensive. It doesn't fit everyone's budget. Um, yeah. And it's always going to be a product that's going to need to be produced to almost like the highest level to get it to, to that point. You know, like you said, it's the reason it's so expensive is because like, yeah, with BHO, you know, like there's a lot of time that goes into the person who grew that material. You know, you have all the, you know, you, you veg it, you flower it, you trim it, that you take care of it for, for months. And yeah. then you hand it off to the processor who then, you know, stuffs um, it in a column and yeah, runs. stuffs it in a column, runs it. And, you know, they do a good amount of work too. I'm not saying they don't do any work, but like, yeah. you know, they stuff it in a column, recover it, do what they want to do to create the consistency and then purge it, you know, and then wait. And then they package with rosin and, and, and hash. You're, you're starting with the same, you know, you need the utmost high, you need even like higher quality starting material than most VHO. Um, so you need that, which is more rare. And then uh, you wash it. And depending on if you're drying it, you know, on a rack or freeze drying it, it, it needs to dry for about a week or so. Um, and then if you're squishing it into rosin, you collect all that, you um, then press it into rosin. And some producers like to let their rosin cure a bit. So it like, you know, like Bo's nose, he likes to squish it all into one jar and let it cold cure for a week or two, you know, or that. So it becomes buttery and like terpene rich and, you know, easier to work with. So, yeah. you know, you're thinking about like from, from time, like if we're thinking just like handoff time, um from like process or produ producer to processor and when it could be ready for the shelf with bho you're talking about i mean everything's on the mercy of of testing and how quick labs can get shit back but you're you're looking That's... at like shit being ready for the lab a week or less yeah i with remember hash guys... and yeah. hash it's like two weeks plus you know yeah i remember guys so... coming in with with shatter and fucking uh, wax and stuff, and it was like that's what they were saying. It was a seventy-two hour purge, and I'm like, okay, so it's like three days, right? It's three days, and you you had to flip it every twenty tools, so it's not like you were like you know constantly checking it to make sure everything was like drying properly or greasing together, or you know nothing was going wrong. But yeah, yeah, word word up, Will. Um. I remember uh, last week you were talking about some of the the rule changes in Oregon. Is there mm. is there anything that you didn't get to speak on? Like as far as um, like, is there any differences as as far as packaging? I think that was one of the things you said you had an issue with the POS system. It couldn't say LOQ or something. So you could yeah, that that was the issue with Green Bits, and it's still an issue. They haven't fixed it, so. Mm. Um, I don't know why that, that that is taking so long and that is a direct flaw of their system implemented that is now that is making people that use that not be able to be compliant on that notice. I'm still appalled that that, that they're kind of taking that super nonchalantly. Like, you know, I would almost feel like, you know, I'm sure the state won't hand out fines that quickly, but, you know, if someone were to get like uh, fined for that, you know, like, hey, you know, you, this person bought a gram of Tropicana cookies from your store and the, the CBD, if there's no CBD, it's supposed to say LOQ, but it says zero, you know, we're, that's the, we're, we're charging you, you know, it's like, 
well then I literally can't print a compliant label through green bits at all. Yeah. And I brought it up with them. I hit them in and like, oh, we're aware of it and making changes. And it's like, well, you know, a week plus has gone by and, you know, I, I just, I surprised that there's that much, um, that much of a relaxed nature by them that is there directly prohibiting people from being completely compliant. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else though, as far as products like the, the metables, uh, potency requirements didn't change or anything. Uh, metables like tinctures, high potency tinctures had to go. They can't be as, uh, um, as many like ounces. They have to be, um, like for example, remember those eight eighty? Were you around for those eight? Like the the big dose Davinols, or you you know you heard no, of those? Like the, no. okay, yeah, well. well he went all the way, he was able for the rec market, he went all the way up to an 880 gram one. That was his highest one. It was eight uh, ounces. So sure. it was roughly around, you know, 110 milligrams per ounce. Sure. Um, but they changed the laws on that. So now it's an, <laughs> pretty savage. It's an, it's an 800 Davinol in four ounces. So every, oh, every ounce is 220 milligrams. Um, yeah, so cut they ch- they, they changed the volume on that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. So we got a question from Mitchell in production. Um, does the weed need to be tested before the rosin guy gets it, or does the rosin guy do the testing? Both, I believe. Uh, okay. Yeah, I believe. Um, and I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure. All right, that's a that's a really good question, Mitch. Um. But I'm pretty sure it's both. I'm pretty sure if you have a harvest, no matter what your intent on doing, on like you, whether you're going to sell it as flour, or whether you're going like, to give it to a processor or that, it you needs to be to tested uh... for pesticides because you can um, basically like pesticides, like you can have a, a flour that tests clean that shows up with um, like, you know, with, un, you know, um exceeding like pesticide like pesticide level that exceed the the state requirement in extract form like you can go from like a you know like a minute ex- passing number um of like trace ppms for one pesticide in flour but once you concentrate it it can exceed that limit um so they're definitely delicate about that but yeah you you definitely have to get both both tested now that i'm thinking about it because you have to get you gotta you know say the harvest law you gotta send it to the lab for testing and then it's kind of like you decide you know okay um what do i want to do with this uh you know i want to get to process and then you change the state you change how much thc is in the product you know you're concentrating it so um you definitely need to get it tested again yeah okay so um is there anything else you want to add will about the uh the solvent list stuff um i want to try and get your homie ao back on here i see his ig feed it looks like he's got some nice plants at his house that he's going to turn into hash oh yeah definitely he's about to hash yep yeah i'm sure he'd be stoked to get back on um i'm gonna so Mitchell emailed me a link to uh, Normal, so shout out to Normal and their news links on their website. 
Um, but I just wanted to talk to you about this, Will. Um, that said that there's it in the news under studies, it says cannabis access is associated with fewer opioid overdoses. Um, Absolutely. And it says uh, it's researchers associated with University of Massachusetts at Amherst and Colorado State University assess the relationship between the passage of statewide marijuana legalization laws and opioid overdose fatalities. They reported that the passage of recreational marijuana laws is associated with an estimated reduction in annual opioid mortality in the range of 20 to 35 percent with particularly pronounced effects for synthetic cannabinoids that's what's up and you UMass is amherst it was like we're super close to where i just was my house western that's mass good. like 30 good. minutes i've taken online i took like when i was getting my degree in college i took a like criminal justice class as a summer course there to get some extra credits and Word. It's, it's a cool it's a cool school for sure but yeah Hell um, yeah that makes sense for sure. I mean, you know, I cannabis, agree, cannabis has um, the ability to do that for sure. And that's also why you like, why I will always support products like this. Like people used to hate on Dirty Arms and Davinol when it first came out because it was like, they, people were like, oh, he's marketing it as like syrup and, and you know, lean's not cool or that, you know, that. I'm like, but yeah, I think that's the medicine. point though. Yeah. I think that's the point. You know, I think you say, you know, you see this, which is like, could be the, the first, you know, reach for someone. And then you're like, Hey, this shit is so strong and so potent that, you know, you're going to get like, you're going to get floored if you, you know, if you take a, a, a teaspoon of it, you know, depending on your tolerance. So, yeah. um, I just feel like that. Uh, you know, having having things that are so strong that, you know, they can mimic, like, people's desire to, like, cause, you know, some people out there, like, you know, there's, there's, you know, there's always a guy that, like, you know, likes to get, like, buzzed off opioids or, like, to maybe take a little bit to get on edge and then dudes that like to get or people that like to fucking take a ton and get, like, incapacitated, you know? Yeah. So having like a strong enough cannabis product, which can, you know, not mimic the high by any means, but provide like strong effects in a healthy alternative. Yeah. And and that's what I think they mean by synthetic cannabinoids, right? Is is oil yeah. or, or hash, right? That's right. Some concentrates of some sort. Because no, that's... synthetic cannabinoids. No, because those aren't synthetic. Um, synthetic cannabinoids is in like K2 probably and spice. Uh okay. Because those are causing death. Uh okay. Yeah. Word. Okay. Um says Illinois governor signs medical cannabis law. Ah, yeah. So they took a poll. Um the poll says most Americans say marijuana should be legalized. Um nearly two thirds of Americans believe that marijuana ought to be legalized nationwide, according to the polling data compiled by Investors Business Daily and Technometri Technometrica Marketing Intelligence. Overall, sixty-three percent of respondents back legalization, a percentage that is consistent with other recent polls. Seventy-five percent of self-identified Democrats endorsed legalization, as did a majority, sixty-six percent of independent voters. The majority of Republicans did not support re legalization. 
So that means like more than more than 50% of the Republicans didn't support, but enough of the independent. Of course, Republicans, sorry to any Republican viewers we have, Benny, but I don't really give a shit to the podcast. Yeah. We're allowed to express <laughs> our opinion. But Republicans, in my mind, are not, I'm not saying Democrats or any party or any is any better at this point. Um, yeah. But Republicans, in my yeah. mind, are only interested in take in enjoying things that they take away and restrict for others. Yeah, you know, it's like, okay, cool. I'm a Republican. I get, you know, I got my health care, but like, no, nah, fuck you for nah, you can't have health care. No, and I get a say in it, you know, because I don't, you know, I don't think you're uh, you're important enough to have health care. You know, it's like, so you know, Republicans, any Republicans that are are watching might want to tune out because I don't <laughs> I don't fucking respect you. And Your then, whole mantra if you're a diehard Republican is literally enjoying things that you want to take away from other people or restrict from. That's what being a Republican is in my mind. And, uh, and then uh, the the last blurb says that nearly one in four Americans said that they or someone in their home had consumed cannabis for medical or recreational purposes over the past half year. And it says self-reported use was highest among those ages 25 to 44. So I, I think that's pretty cool too. Like it's accepted, you know, like if more than half the people accept it, then it should be federally legalized. Cause yeah, there's absolutely. two people who run for president. And if one gets more than 50% of the vote, then they win. So I yep. mean, and this is just a poll. I think if it, if it was on like a, a federal ballot like if you you could vote for president and vote for weed i feel like everybody would vote for weed yeah you know? absolutely yeah. you just realize i need to take a damn dab <laughs> no doubt you fucking with that that bow's nose nose yeah and this one you would uh i know you'd get down with this because you're a fan of the sun run stuff but this is a, a collab with eagle green farm it's like an organic farm in eagle point oregon i believe <laughs> Yeah, they do great work. You know, sun, sun-grown goodness pretty much here. Some solventless sun-grown goodness. Sunshine in the bag. Okay, yep. here's, here's another one I got, Will. It says uh, the up? American bar. And these are all coming from normal folks, the normal website. So I got to make sure I attribute where I got this information from. It's not like I just Yeah, do you just want me to comment on them or? Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm, uh, and it's real convenient too because it's only a couple of paragraphs. Yeah. Um, By the, the way, American... I dig that shirt. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, stash box. Shout out to stash <laughs> box AZ, man. Miss G. Yes. Shout out to Miss G. <laughs> um, the American Bar Association endorses ending marijuana prohibition. So, the American Bar Association is uh, the test that you have to pass to become an attorney. You have to pass the bar exam. Mm -hmm. um, it says the the American Bar Association has passed a resolution in support of ending federal marijuana prohibition and removing the substance from the Controlled Substances Act. In language in language that does not mince words, the proposal reads: further resolved that the further resolved that the American Bar Association urges Congress to enact legislation to remove marijuana from Schedule 1 of the Controlled C Substances Act. So uh, I think that that is pretty dope that uh, it, it's got to be like a pretty big lobbying body for attorneys. 
you know, those guys are sitting there uh, fighting the cases on both sides, you know, to either put this guy in jail, he had a pound of weed in his car, or, hey, uh, it's a plant, uh, maybe we can give him treatment and some probation or something, you know, like there's guys on both sides that are doing that work. And now they're saying that, hey, this is a waste of our time. Um, We should be working on something else, not this, because this isn't really causing any problems you know yeah no i i would uh um yeah agree with that and say that yeah there's there's no reason not to i mean this is for me this is my opinion it might be a little far-fetched for some people but like and not that i'm condoning that you should smoke weed if you've been drinking or you you're have in you because for a lot of people myself included depending on how many you've had or how much you're smoking, that's not a good combo. You know, that can lead to the spins and, you know, not a good night ending. But I feel like (laughs) in certain cases and with just um, cannabis in general, I've noticed like the bar culture now, not everyone, but like a lot of the bar culture is, you know, people that also smoke, that go and get a few drinks and like, hey, let's step outside and like smoke a joint real quick or something, you know? Or, you know, let's get, you know, let's do an edible or something. I'm that guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, same here. You know, and I feel like that in some cases and a lot of, um, for people that if you're, if you're, uh, you know, having a night out and, and drinking that cannabis can kind of ground you and also make you realize, hey, like. Well, you know, now that I've got another substance in my in my body, I'm I'm pretty messed up. I don't need to drink anymore, you know. Yeah. You know, like you know, and and that's why I'm hesitant on saying it because for some people it would like you you being high would make you realize that you're too messed up to drink, and then you could be already messed up because you're now high and drunk. But for me, in some cases, uh, you know, I've I've smoked and I've realized like, hey, I'm I'm like good on the drinks, like I that dab got me or that hit got me now i'm really feeling everything i'm good yeah i don't know hi hi thoughts (laughs) okay so i got got one more for you will since your magazine is in washington uh there's a report that says legal cannabis sales in washington state are displacing the illicit market um, it says adult use cannabis retailers in Washington sold an estimated 26 metric tons of cannabis and cannabis infused products between July 1st, 2016 and July 1st, 2017, according to a, a report by the Rand Corporation. Um, it says the report prepared for the Washington State Liquor and Control Board determined that the licensed retail sales doubled from the prior year. Nearly 70% of all cannabis sales were for marijuana flour. Damn, that's crazy, dude. 70% is crazy. Just for flour. Um, um, and yeah, I can see that got, with that. I got more, Will. I got more. It says okay. comparing market sales data with self-reported data on marijuana use, authors estimated in the third year after in- implementing a regulatory system for cannabis, between 40% and 60% of THC obtained by state residents was likely purchased in Washington state licensed stores. Marijuana not obtained via retail sales presumably came through the illicit market or from those authorized to grow for medicinal purposes. 
Commenting on the report, Normal State Policies Coordinator Carly Wolf suggested that various factors, including elevated tax rates and local moratoriums on cannabis retailers, play a role in the per- in the perpetuation of the illicit cannabis market. That said, it is an encur- it is encouraging to see that over time, licensed retail sales are gradually displacing a significant portion of the underground market. Moving forward, one would expect this trend to continue and for the illicit market to become further marginalized. And that quote at the end is from Carly Wolf from Normal. What do you think about that, Will? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Anytime you fucking like Washington, uh, cannabis, flower in Washington's dirt cheap. Anytime yeah. you, uh, you drive the market down uh, to the point where you can get decent looking stuff. <laughs> hey, sorry, dog. Satchel, shh. Uh, where you can get uh, decent looking stuff for 15 and 8 you know that's really gonna make people go well shit you know my guy me 40 and 8 it was better stuff but now I can get a quarter for $10 less than I could get an 8 Exactly. and you know the real heads if you really like if you, if you smoke it for the quality and, the, and you know the terpenes and that you know most likely either you got one company you like from the Washington rec, rec market, or you, my guess is you get it from the, your homie or your, uh, the yeah. black market, you know? Um, yeah, but like I said, I saw a meme earlier, uh, today from, from Matt rise. It was like, was a, um, a customer and a bud tender behind the, uh, behind the counter. And the customer asked, like kind of bubbles, like, Hey, what's your, uh, what's your favorite flower on the shelf right now? And the guy's, the bud tender's automatic response was, well, of course, our house brand OG. And then the, like, the bubble back, like, the, the back of his head thoughts was black market. Uh, <laughs> it was pretty funny. Um, homie down the street got that fire, man. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's, he's got game. Yeah, I mean, so. Small room, but he's got it, and it's better than this shit, but. Yeah, and you know, um, that's Washington, but yeah, so my, my, my view on that and opinion on that would be that's the case because they've driven it so far down. I mean, I have I a agree. homie that that I go up to and um, he doesn't even live. He lives in my neighborhood. He, but he goes to Washington to buy all his weed because him and his wife, like they smoke like a few blunts a night. Um, And he, you know, he's like, I can get this, you know, pretty good tasting, decent looking stuff. This is 30 bucks a quarter. And I'm like, well, there's, you know, and, and I'm not saying it's good. I'm sure it doesn't taste as good or that. Like look wise. I'm like, damn, this is, you know, this, this is what would be a, you know, potentially a $30 eighth on Oregon shelves, you know? And yeah. it's just like Washington has completely gone with this. They driving down the price and just like this, like, well, how much, how many, how much can you produce under this many lights? Yeah. I, I feel like that's happening in Oregon too, dude. There's a huge surplus. Like what? no, uh, a, a oh. lot of, a lot of talented growers uh did not uh-uh. go wreck you know what uh-uh, I mean? though that was the case john that's why you need to come back to there's the there's the there's a shortage right now no way yeah there's a shortage processors are begging people for material they're offering to buy it for ridiculous prices uh there's not enough material to go around like a lot of processors like it's it's shifted for now it's completely a buy like a uh, producer's market i mean there is there is shortages 
Well, the, but so it's just what about all the old weed? The old weed just isn't selling for it's cheap. It's done. It's gone. People process it. People can do it or that. You know, I'm sure the less is it, you know, harvest season is coming up, so there'll be less of a shortage. But I mean, you said, John, you're saying, you know, when should I come back? There's a, there's a shortage in Oregon, right? Shortage. Guarantee you. Well, when we had Pig Farmer on here, bro, and he was talking about his homie who had the micro tier, and, it, you know, it was like he, he lets him go for a 10-pack for nine, mm-hmm. and he still still cleared, like, six figures in a year, and I think he mm-hmm. had one or two guys on staff. I'm like, fuck. Yep. That gives Flower prices are going back <laughs> up, too. That's the, that's the real telltale. How you know what's happening. There's a shortage, and it's going. Flower prices are on the rise again. Word. That's what's up, dude. Well, yeah, uh, I mean that's good, you know. Not you know, that's that's a win-win for everyone. When prices go up, that means people are willing to spend more money. Growers can make more. Retailers can potentially make make more. Yeah, it makes me want to uh, throw up a light. I was moving around my furniture today, see if I could make. Yeah, dude, throw up. D- d- don't just throw up a light. Throw up a few. Well, I've got a small apartment, but if I come back to Oregon, dude, like that's I got to get a, a job that's dope, and then yeah. figure out a space. But you know what I always thought was like a uh, like obviously if I'm bigger, you know, the bigger like more space to do it, I'd probably do more lights. But to me, a, a like an eight light grow always seemed like super appealing. Seems yeah. small enough, but like you know enough so you get like four HPS on one side, four on the other, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And affordable to uh, maintain too, with just yes. one guy. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Nothing more than that, you got to get some help, and it's yep. fuck. It's hard finding good help these days, Will. It is, man. It's tough. It's tough that it sucks that things cost so much money too. It's like I know people like you, like they got good game, and you know, like you did the whole. You know, you had your own property and outdoor, but it's like. Man, I bet you could also do your thing indoor too, you know, given the chance or given like, you know, your oh, own yeah. spot, you know? Yeah, it's man. like, I don't yeah, know. Man. It's like, I feel like I could do a good job too, but it's just like not as good as you, obviously. But I don't know. It just sucks that like, you know, everything in life is so expensive. But, you know, just like even think about getting like something that you could like perpetually or, you know, have like consistent harvest going in costs at least starting in two grand you know no doubt but yeah, so man. you gotta spend money to make money right yeah because i feel like two for an indoor pound is somewhat fair you know what i mean that's what people are getting now plus and yeah, more too when it, started, when it started getting down to like 16 15 14 i was like damn that's cheap and then right before i moved people were even doing them at 12 i was like yeah Fuck, that's cheap yep. man and uh I don't know. It's it's good to see shit kind of stabilize a little bit because that's why I left, bro. I was like, man, 2017. I'm like, I I need more than that for these, man. You know, yeah. and I, I I just I did what I had to do and I bailed. You know. Yeah. So John, I got a question for you, kind of tracking back to the solventless question. But did you ever see like what brands were? if any, were pretty well-known in Arizona that people liked for solventless? Were there a few? Was there any, like, producing, like, real top-quality shit or no? 
Nah, dude, that just, I haven't been to a store in probably four or five months. Yeah. Um, but the True Med AZ, dude, like their Instagram feed, like that's, I, they show them whipping up the batter. And I think it was, it was something Kemi, like GMO cookies or something like that. Didn't like rosin batter, like solvent. Yeah. And it was, it was damn. white, dude. And he was sitting there stirring it in the jar. And I'm like, damn, I got to Well, that sounds, that looks, yeah, that sounds fire. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure they were in-house dudes. Because um, yeah. every time you drive by there, bro, it fucking reeks, Will. I'm like, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. like, that. You, it's... And I, I think I told you the story. I went to a place out in Mesa. I can't remember the name of it, but uh, they had, like, 11 or 12 strains on the shelf. And I looked around, <laughs> and I just told the guy, like, I'm sorry, man. I don't do this often, but I gotta fucking walk out. You guys don't really have anything yeah. on the fucking shelf. And he grabbed the post-it note and wrote down "True Med AZ" and handed yeah. it to me. And he's like, "Get these guys out!" I'm like, all right. Yeah, and and let me use this too on the off subject as a public service announcement. I've seen a lot of growers, prominent people use this. GMO does not stand for garlic, mushroom, onion. No, no, <laughs> that is not what it stands for. If you abbreviate is that, stop now. No, from from the breeder, he's like, I I, I can't, you know, I'll, I'll bring it, I'll, I'll get the the full story next episode. But um, there's a story behind why he called it GMO, and it's not it's not much of a story because it was never meant to be garlic mushroom onion. I think he was abbreviating it for something else, but. You just find it funny that people like, you know, people hear a story and they run with it because they like it, you know, before they actually double check the accuracy of it. You know, it's like, yeah, GMO, because it's so funky, it must be, you know, stand for a mixture of garlic, mushroom and onion, because that sounds raunchy, you know, no, yeah. it, it it couldn't have like uh, less to do with that. No doubt. No doubt. Um. Yeah, that's that's all I had. You got anything else? I'm trying to see if I got one more story here. Um, I got a question. Okay. What's what's AZ? Uh, they they didn't pass last time. Is there like a big movement for it? Is it on the ballot yeah. coming up or? Yeah, shit. That's that's one thing I wanted to talk about too, dude. I, uh, I don't have the whole breakdown of it, but it is gonna be. So the attorney general of Arizona put out a letter, um, really urging the state legislature to make it recreational on their own. You know, just like, hey, you guys need to just do this and quit dragging your feet because um, it's going to happen anyway. And you might as well have some kind of control over it. Right. Um, and since the the state legislature is probably not going to do it, um, it is on the ballot for 2020. And I know that written into the language of the bill that is on the ballot, it says... You can have six plants, Will. Six plants on the on the way the language is written on this ba- on this ballot. Mm. So, uh, for rec use, anybody's six twenty plants. That's six not plants very, that's, Like as in per person, so more than Oregon. Yeah, yeah, two two that's more cool. plants than Oregon. Yeah, dude. So I just read that, and 
decided that I was going to vote yes and tell everybody else to vote yes, too. Yep. Mm-hmm. Homegrown. Um, That's yeah. important as fuck. Yeah, exactly, dude. And I, I feel like that, hopefully that'll change the game down here a little bit. And Yeah. I, I really do want to get into breeding, too, Will, because there's... Yeah. The we also got to make sure with that, too, is that if it's homegrown, that they're not like, oh, well, yeah, you guys can home grow for yourself and gift, but if anything wants to be sold or legit through through a dispenser, you got to have money. Yeah. Yeah, Tons it's kind of it's kind of like that already with the medical thing. Um, yeah, so I imagine, yeah, try and keep that the same way. Yeah. Um, I, I, there were some people complaining about... it the, In the language, it didn't say... There is going to be a limit on uh, on the metable potency. So people were, I'm like, why the fuck would you complain about that? Like that was, when it first went rec in Oregon, I remember rec patients could only get 15 milligrams. Yes. In a metable. And so it's like, that is nothing. That's like a fucking knife hit of weed. You know what I mean? Like that's, eating that is not going to do shit. So um it it was weird to me that people were complaining about that but it's a red state man it's a strange place will it's it's a lot a lot stranger than oregon was to a guy like me that's that's why i miss oregon bro like it's cool down here but i just like being around some weed nerds and just having access to more shit dude like yeah i feel you i feel you arizona Arizona Rec Weed Law Language. We gotta yeah. get going here in the next five minutes or so. So if you got if you got something else from me, let me know. Yeah, that's pretty much all I got, Will. It would take me too long to read all of this shit. It's a pretty big file. But yeah, six plants. It's it's gonna be on the ballot in Arizona in 2020, and six it says plants. that you can oh. you can home grow six plants for. I'm in support of that, like you said. Just a, yeah, me too, dude. The home grow in general, like let's, it's yeah. gotta be it's gotta be an option, always. No I agree. Um, that's pretty much an hour right there too, Will. So, Sweet. good job, good job on hipping us to the the solventless extraction methods, man. Yeah, I mean, it's great. No, I could I could talk about dabs like that for days. So yeah, yeah. If, if you can holler at uh one of your homies who makes it, maybe we can get them on the show next week or two. Yeah, yeah, Anthony again, maybe. It's always very interesting to me. So we can, you know, many basically a lot of the titles we've done. I feel like we could have follow up episodes or people back or different people. You know. There's a lot more to touch on with what we've we've been covering, but yeah, I'd love to try and you know maybe I'll, I want to try and get Bo's nose on. I'll see what uh, uh you know put some feelers out there for that. No doubt, no doubt. Good look, well, good look. So I guess that's the episode, folks. I'm gonna go ahead and do my outro dance. This was. The 19th episode of Concerned Dabs Podcast. I was your host, Katie M. Kane. With me was my co-host, Will Terps. I got to give a shout out to my guys in production, Mitchell Wilson and Jesse Curry. This has been a Main Node and Joseph Street Enterprise production.